how would you like to host a podcast and a post game show after Stag Bowl 49? Maybe that will be the Greg Thomas and Keith McMillan podcast. So I'll be the Tyler Echeverry to your DeAndre Parker. I mean, my voice has been on crutches for like eight weeks, so why not? Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman. You have a very forceful handshake, Mr. Coleman. And Greg Thomas. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. It's the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, your weekly podcast about the largest division of college football. We welcome you to podcast number 324, the podcast for December 12th of 2022, season 16, episode 24. And I'm Pat Coleman, you know, the executive editor of D3Sports.com, the guy who's editing and producing three podcasts in the next seven days. I'm Greg Thomas. I write Around the Nation at D3Football.com. I am the mercurial co-host of around the nation at the podcast. I don't think I'm mercurial. I'm not sure we know what that word means. Heard it a lot on Saturday. Uh, not sure it was used properly one time. I don't think it was either. It was kind of a turbocharged broadcast up there for that first national semifinal, but it was an amazing game. One fantastic semifinal, one other semifinal, and we will talk about them both and then get you ready for Stag Bowl 49 over the course of this podcast. This podcast, which is sponsored by our friends at Stevenson University, the hosts of Stag Bowl 49. If you are looking for information about Stag Bowl 49, you should have been following us on Twitter. We have tweeted out the link a couple of times every week. One specifically at Mount Union fans on Saturday afternoon. One specifically at North Central fans on Saturday evening, bit.ly slash stag49. But basically what you're going to find there is all the information you need to make your trip to Annapolis a successful one. Maybe we can't control what goes on on the field for your team, but we can make sure that you have all the information that you need to have a good time around the event. Absolutely. All the information you need right there at the website that Pat mentioned where to stay, where to eat, what to do, all of the fun things you can do in and around the city of Annapolis as you get ready for Stag Bowl 49. I'm looking forward to being there on Tuesday evening. Pat, you're coming Wednesday. Cannot wait to get into Annapolis, see the city a little bit, and talk a lot about these two teams playing for the national championship. Get more information about everything you need to know around Stag Bowl 49 and how to get your tickets at bit.ly slash stag49. If you don't know, stag49 is S-T-A-G-G-4-9. Second G is silent. Game ball. Game ball. Game balls. Game balls. Game balls. It's time for game balls, and my game ball goes to Antoine Walker. Walker, a cornerback for North Central, kind of drew the unenviable assignment of trying to defend Brandon Jordan. You know, the 6'6 wide receiver for Mary Harden Baylor. Did a quality job on him on the afternoon. That includes an interception. And, you know, there was obviously some time in the second quarter and maybe late in the first quarter where things were working, things were clicking for Mary Harden Baylor, but it did not stay that way. The North Central defense was a huge part of it, and so I think was the guy who was covering Brandon Jordan, Antoine Walker, and that's who gets my game ball. Yeah, he had a great game, four pass breakups, an interception, 
really, really strong game. That was a fun battle to watch those two go at each other all game. Pat, my game ball is going to go to Braxton Plunk. The Mount Union quarterback has had an outstanding career, but Saturday's performance against an elite defense in a national semifinal was truly a signature game. Plunk completed 43 of 56 passes in the game for 396 yards and two touchdowns. He also ran for two more scores in the game. 20 minutes into this game, Plunk was 22 out of 26. That's a crazy efficiency against that Wartburg defense. And aside from all of the standard box score stats, Plunk's ability to evade sacks and give his receivers time to find openings was really the difference between winning and losing for Mount Union. This semifinal game reminded me of D'Angelo Fulford's 2017 semifinal against Oshkosh or Kevin Burke's 2013 semifinal against North Central. He was precise. He was clutch. He led Mount Union back to the national championship game. And for that, he gets my game ball. You know, frankly, Greg, for that, he might well get some other things over the course of the next weeks or so, right? I mean, the Gallardi voting, the hay is in the barn on that. That has already been determined. We don't know who that is, and we don't know where that hay is going to go. But right now, it's currently in the barn. I was beginning to sketch out what the All-American team would look like uh, Saturday on the plane ride on the way to Chicago, and I did not do quarterbacks because two of our quarterbacks were playing on Saturday And uh, I think the order of those two certainly switched. I think so, based on semifinal performance. And thankfully, our All-American team has time to take into account games through the national semifinal. And yeah, I think if there was a coin toss situation there between two quarterbacks playing on Saturday, I think Braxton Plunk wins that coin toss now. You know, I think we should have another game ball. Do you have another one in you? Game ball. Game ball. Game balls. Game balls. Game balls. I think I do, Pat. I'm going to go back to North Central's defense for a second game ball. And this one goes to Cardinal linebacker Sam Taviani. Taviani totaled five solo tackles, four tackles for loss, two sacks, and he added an interception as well. Taviani was right in the middle of a defensive effort that limited the Crusaders to season lows in rushing yards and total offense and points scored. And for his key role in the best team defensive performance of the semifinal round, Sam Taviani gets a game ball. I'm going to give out a second game ball as well. And it is going to go to Mount Union sophomore running back Tyler Echeverry. This is a guy who comes off the bench. DeAndre Parker has two carries and then he is on crutches for the rest of the afternoon. He is a sophomore who comes in, finishes with 15 carries for 64 yards on a touchdown. He had six catches for 47 yards. In the big moments of the fourth quarter, Greg, Tyler Echeverry was right there. He was right there in the middle of it. He was keeping the ball moving. He was keeping the chains moving. And that's where my other game ball is going to go for Saturday. Semifinal number one turned out to be an instant classic as Mount Union advanced to the national championship game with a 34-31 win over Wartburg. Mount Union won this game in a wild fourth quarter that saw 30 points scored and four lead changes. Wartburg grabbed their first lead of the game following a botched punt snap by Mount Union. Niall McLaughlin hooked up with George Drake for a 26-yard touchdown across the middle of the field, something Wartburg had success with all game. Mount Union responded with a 15-play drive covering 83 yards to regain the lead. Braxton Plunk finished that drive with a two-yard touchdown run, his second of the game. McLaughlin had the answer again for Wartburg, this time connecting with Carter Henry for a 59-yard catch and run to put Wartburg ahead again 
with just over three minutes remaining. And not that you ever turn down the opportunity to lead late in a game, but that quick score gave Plunk more than enough time to engineer another long drive. The key play on what would be the game-winning drive came on fourth and seven near midfield. Plunk scrambled away from pressure, allowed Wayne Ruby to sneak behind the defense where Plunk found him for a 36-yard completion. Mount Union's longest play from scrimmage in the game, by the way. The Purple Raiders finished that drive with Tyler Echeverry's three-yard touchdown plunge with just 31 seconds left for the game-winning score. Pat, the first 45 minutes of this game were great. The last 15 went to another level. Carter Henry was a minute and a half away from getting a game ball, right? Seven catches for 158 yards and two touchdowns. As he got behind that defense, caught that pass, I just fully expected, having seen so many Mountain Union games over the course of the past 24 seasons, that someone in the secondary would catch up to him. No, they did not. He kept it going all the way to the end zone. Super impressive in that regard. But yeah, to talk about uh, Braxton Plunk for a second, we have often spoken again over the course of the 24 seasons about that to be considered a Mountain Union quarterback, I think. And this is what the Mountain Union fans kind of say is like, you have to have that epic drive, right? Braxton Plunk had two of them over the course of the last six and a half minutes of that game. That was super impressive. Yeah, he really he had two such sort of game winning drives, sort of signature signature drives, things that fans and uh, players and teammates will talk about forever and ever if this pays off with the national championship. Shouldn't forget those two drives against Wartburg, whether they win on Friday or not. Uh, those were really tremendous clutch drives. Great play by Braxton Plunk. Greg gave you his two-minute drill on one of the best games of an amazing season. Now here is Mountain Union coach Jeff Dart with an even faster 124 on it from the post-game news conference. We got some momentum going in the fourth quarter um, on some drives. Um, obviously, there was still some time on the clock where we wanted to run the ball because uh, we were doing that more effectively um, than we were um, in the first half. Um, but, you know, we got in a situation where Braxton was able to make a play and then, you know, we were able to punch it in, um, drive the ball down and punch it in after that. Um, I, I can't give enough credit to Coach um, uh, Winter and, and Warburg. They, they were an outstanding team. They had an outstanding plan in all three phases. Um, I believe we shot ourselves in the foot, you know, tight in the goal line area, uh, didn't come away. Um, have had a field goal blocked and then, you know, we had a turnover and ultimately that's on me as the offensive play, call, play caller. I gotta be <clears throat> putting our guys in better situations, but um, we, we had the opportunity to go down and score. The guys didn't flinch like they have all year. Um, and I was, you know, proud that they executed and, and we got the touchdown. Our defense played outstanding. Um, we gave Warburg a lot of momentum and put our defense in some bad situations, but, you know, they responded and got the stops when we needed them. Greg, I felt like we just learned so much from this game. I'm going to go back to talk about Tyler Echeverry for a second, right? He's a guy who's second on the depth chart at running back. And, you know, the number two guy on a Mountain Union depth chart always has a lot of carries. And he already had 33 carries and 208 yards in the three previous playoff games before he got really some of the toughest yards he'd had all season on Saturday. I mentioned the 15 uh, carries, the 64 yards, you know, the game-winning touchdown with 31 seconds left. 
and of course is a success in the passing game as well. When DeAndre Parker went down, Mountain Union needed someone. Echeverry was there and he was ready to go. Echeverry had the entire second half to himself as Parker was unavailable and sophomore substitute came up big in some of the biggest moments of the game. On the drive following Wartburg's first lead of the game, Echeverry got the call on fourth and two at midfield, converted that with a six-yard carry. Really a testament to how much they trust Echeverry that they take the ball out of Braxton Plunk's hands there in a moment that really could have been the game if they don't pick that up. And then, of course, Echeverry scores the game winner on a three-yard touchdown plunge. Keith McMillan, I can't remember if this was on Twitter or in our team chat on Saturday, he said that one of the fun parts about watching Mount Union postseasons are seeing the guys that are about to emerge and become big stars. And Echeverry looked a lot like that guy on Saturday. Yeah. And as good as Echeverry was, and he was in the postgame news conference, he got asked one question. He got asked whether he was in the end zone with 31 seconds left. He said, yeah, I was in the end zone. But Dart talked in general, at least, about the expectations that he has for guys coming off the bench. We have 58 guys on the playoff roster, and I trust every single one of them, if they have to go into the game, that they will execute what they need to do, what we need to do, offense, defense, and special teams, in order to win the game. All right, so some of you noticed and made a point to point out that we did not have a Mountain Union feature story on D3Football.com this past week. I just want to let people know this is not for lack of trying on our part. We have made several attempts to do so and to have a Mountain Union interview on this podcast, uh, but we have been turned down every single time. We will have something this week because the athletic department is required to make people available at media day on Stag Bowl week. But, you know, do understand we have tried multiple times over the past several years, and this now spans multiple head coaches, multiple athletic directors, multiple sports information directors. So we don't have a sit-down interview in this podcast with anybody from one of the Stag Bowl teams. But there is audio from the post game, and that's what you'll hear here for the rest of this section. So for the Purple Raiders, this run back to the Stag Bowl started when the team came back for the spring semester back in January. Here's head coach Jeff Dart talking about that. I think, you know, obviously COVID was frustrating for everybody, um, but, you know, they stuck it through. And in this journey... Started last year on, or I would say in early 2022 on January 10th. Um, when they came back on that Monday for school, we talked about what we wanted to do in terms of attacking the offseason in the weight room, what we wanted to do in spring ball, and then the mentality of accountability and trust over the summer as guys went home, but they still were connecting with one another, making sure that. January 10th, the day mattered. February 20th, the day mattered. In March, in April for spring ball, it mattered. And, um, you know, here we are. So we're 14-0, and we go get an opportunity to go play for a national championship. And suddenly we're in a spot where not many Mount Union players have had that opportunity, that opportunity to go play for a national championship. But the expectation in Alliance Ohio never changed. Here is quarterback Braxton Plunk to address the expectations and what he feels he needs to do better. Obviously, you know, coming here, the expectation is to win a national championship, and it's very upsetting when you don't do it. But, um, but you know, there's a lot to learn from. Um, but, you know, like everybody and coach has been saying, you don't get a ring for going. So... That's not our goal. Our goal is to win it, and um, we know we're going to be playing a great team no matter who wins 
this other semifinal game, and we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to play a lot better and protect the ball, and um, be. They're gonna play a really good team next Friday night. Same question went to Von Factor. Here was his take about heading to the Stag Bowl. It's a pretty amazing feeling, but we come here not to play in it, to win it, to get that ring. So, like they were saying, it's an amazing feeling, but it's gonna be better if we win it. So that we gotta just go there and do our jobs. Braxton Plunk was asked about being a finalist for the Gladi Trophy, and he talked about that a little bit. And then Jeff Dart talked about that and the other people in the Mountain Union program as well. Well, when you asked Braxton about you know being a finalist for the Gallardi Trophy, you know he immediately said he's fortunate to be around great people, and that's the type of guy he is, and that's the type of people we have in our organization. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean. Like I said before, we're, we're excited for the opportunity. That, that, that's all I can simply say. It's, it's a testament to how hard these guys work on a daily basis to put the game plan together, to trust us as coaches, and then here we are right now. So I think it's an interesting moment here for Mount Union where they are back to the Stag Bowl, and we sort of think of Mount Union as being a mainstay in the Stag Bowl, but they haven't played in this game since 2018 North Central has played in every one of these games since 2018 so the players on this team at least don't have that stag bowl week experience that North Central's players have um certainly plenty of coaches do have that experience so they're not so far removed from a stag bowl that this is a completely new experience but you know I think it's an interesting moment here where you know, Mount Union comes into this game sort of as the team with less experience in the game. And it took us four years and three full seasons to get to that point, didn't it? Jeff Dart talked about how it's a testament to how hard these guys work on a daily basis to put things together. We work hard on a daily and weekly basis to help put things together on this podcast, on our websites, all the websites at d3sports.com. And the people in our organization who I really want to thank right now are the people who are our subscribers using the Patreon service. Patreon is a service that people can use to help support people who are creating things. Writers, podcasters, artists, musicians, anybody who has, you know, a regular stream of content or creativity that they produce, but not necessarily a great way to sell it. What this does is it allows people like you, I'm looking at you, the several hundred of you who do this, to help subscribe to us, to help support us on a monthly basis by providing anywhere from like $3 on up to $50 a month to help make the website and the podcast happen. You guys have been doing so for nearly two years now, and it has been very helpful. It has allowed us to do things that otherwise we would not be able to do here and have done in this 2022 Division Three football season. Yeah, we want to thank all of our Patreon subscribers. You've seen that support manifest itself in so many different ways throughout the regular season, and then during the postseason, you've seen feature after feature after feature, really cranking out those features, highlighting those teams that have been playing in this spectacular 2022 postseason that happens because we have support from patreon we're able to get that content out to our reading public thank you to everybody who has been a patreon subscriber and supporter we hope continue su supporting uh, the site through patreon it's not just d3football.com 
Also, all of the D3Sports.com family websites, D3Hoops.com, in full swing right now, also benefiting from that support. Thank you to everybody who subscribes and continue to support the site by letting your friends, family, fellow alums know about how to support the site. Join us this week for more extended coverage of Stag Bowl. We're going to have a lot more content this week, more features, more podcasts. Yeah. And people on site in Annapolis to bring you all of the coverage from Stag Bowl 49. If you are a Patreon subscriber and you're going to be in Annapolis, hey, let me know. Love to chat with you. Love to say hi. If you are around after the Stag Bowl and couldn't wait about, you know, two hours after the game ends, love to buy you a drink. We'd be glad to do that. And if you are not a Patreon subscriber but would like to become one, go to patreon.com slash d3sports. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash d3sports. Or if your ability to provide financial assistance is more like a one-time thing, there's an option to do that as well. You can go to d3sports.com slash help. All right, Greg, so our other semifinal was more revenge of the dish best served cold rather than instant classic. What does it mean? It means... Omerta. It means Rewenge. And that was the one in Naperville, Illinois, where North Central exercised any remaining demons from last year's stag ball loss and really took it to Mary Harden Baylor, beating the crew 49 to 14. So the Cardinals, they take the opening kickoff. This first semifinal game in front of their home crowd, fifth time that North Central has played in the semifinals, the first time that it has been at Benedetti Worley Stadium. So they got a big crowd. They got a lot of momentum behind them. They take the opening kickoff. They drive down. They score on their first possession. And then they pooch kick the subsequent kickoff and recover that as well. A couple plays later, North Central's in the end zone. They're up 14-0 before the crew even had a chance to touch the ball, unless you're counting Anthony Avila's foot. The crew, you know, they did look very much like themselves, and they drove down on their first possession. Kyle King hit Brandon Jordan for a touchdown pass, cutting the lead to 14-7. Teams traded touchdowns to make it 21-14 with 6-13 left in the second quarter. And that King to Jordan connection working pretty well. Four catches for 66 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. And then the crew held North Central to a three and out. They drove down the field. They had goal to go. Kyle King got banged up. The crew had to settle for a 23-yard field goal attempt. That was blocked. Then Sam Taviani intercepts a Kyle King pass, which sailed on him on the crew's first possession of the third quarter. Lanin completed a couple passes. One was a TD to D'Angelo Hardy. It was 28-14 early on in the third quarter, and that was the beginning of the end. The final ended up 49-14. Lanin threw four touchdowns. He ran for 139 yards. Ethan Greenfield ran for 127 yards and two scores. Taviani had all the great box score filling plays that Greg mentioned earlier, and it was really North Central venting what Brad Spencer called 358 days of frustration over the way Stag Bowl 48 ended. And I asked Ethan Greenfield in the postgame what form that took for him. We try to not dwell on anything in the past, but it's really hard not uh, really with this game, kind of playing the same team, a lot of the uh, same players. And um, just the whole week kind of just kept thinking about it. I think a lot of us did, everyone who was there and experienced that. Like I kept thinking about um, people who played before me, like Andrew Kaminsky and Blake Williams and and uh, Ben Wong and then Those are the people who I thought about, like the look in their eyes and the way that they felt after losing. And that was something that really kind of motivated me personally. I know a lot of other people to avoid that. And I remember after going up, I think when we put up 35, 
Um, I, it was Drod Thornton kept yelling, remember last year, remember last year, remember last year, just to kind of make sure that everyone doesn't let up on that gas and that we don't we don't kind of get relaxed because I think that we've, we've done that a few times this year. We get up a little bit, and then as an offense, sometimes we kind of just slow down. When we shouldn't, we should kind of keep pushing. I think that's something today that we did, and I think that was a big factor uh, with it. It is absolutely frightening to think that a lot of what we've seen this North Central offense do has been with them in slowdown mode. Uh, but to Greenfield's point, Pat, at this level, you've got to keep playing. Uh, those guys, they put 57 on the Cardinals in the Stag Bowl last year, and it's clear that that provided some motivation for Saturday. But also, that's a really good team. They just scored 24 points in 12 minutes last week against Bethel. They did the same kind of thing against a really good Harden-Simmons team earlier in the season. Yeah. When you have UMHB down like that, you have to you have to keep going. You have to knock them out because they will not stop. As for Kyle King, obviously this is a frustrating way to end the season. He declined in the postgame to blame anything on this injury, but it was clear that he was not at his best after that hit. And we know that this is not the only ailment that he is battling his way through. Yeah, he was 13 of 16 before the injury to his shoulder, just six for 22 afterwards. From my vantage point at home, Pat, King didn't quite have the same zip on his passes that he normally does after the injury. Most notably, I think the interception to open the second half, that's a pass that he normally completes, kind of a little bit of a changeup on that that gave Taviani a chance to step in front of it. King did battle through a lot in this game, but North Central, they're really just too talented all around to get by when you're playing well below 100%. Did get a chance to sit down with North Central coach Brad Spencer after the game. First off, congratulations. Thanks, Pat. Uh, I want to go back to something that you talked about in the post-game news conference, which you know, was a question that I may have tried to allude to, mm -hmm. but then you fully answered. So I appreciated that and was hoping to maybe expand on that a little bit. I was wondering, frankly, because you guys, I mean, you scored a couple of late touchdowns and one of them with your, you know, your second string running back, et cetera. But I was wondering if, and then you said you weren't really thrilled with, as a team, how last year's Stag Bowl ended with the late touchdowns by Mary Harden-Baylor and the trick plays. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, coming out of last year, I think we all had a bad taste in our mouth from about halfway through the third quarter on. <laughs> Didn't have, you know, everything to do with how it ended. But, yeah, I mean, they, they scored a couple of late ones throwing the ball and, you know, with a trick play. And, you know, that was, you know, their coach was going out. He's retiring. So, you know, I get that. They want to have their fun and they want to, you know, win and, and, and send him out the right way. And, and so that's just kind of part of it. Um, you know, but this year we really felt like the situation we got in, hey, let's just keep running the football. Um, you know, and if, if we happen to score late, then we score late. Um, if you don't, then you don't. I mean, either way, we're just trying to run the clock out and, and get out of there. Um, you know, and, and Terrence Hill, I mean, he was in. He's our backup. He came back for a fifth year to be a backup to Ethan. Right. Um, you know, so to allow him to carry the ball a little bit at the end, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but, yeah, of course we remember, you know, how that ended. And, um, you know, that score is not going to sit well with you no matter what plays they're running. It's, you're you're going to be upset about that for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, but this year, you know, with the game, you know, ending, I just felt, hey, let's just keep running the football. Let's let our guys keep playing football. And, uh, you know, if we end up short, we end up short. If they score, they score. 
you know, whatever. Uh, but I feel like T. Hill deserves to carry the football at the end of the game, so <laughs> you know, why not let him do that? When you make the decision, or whoever makes the decision, and maybe you ratify it or get the opportunity to veto it, to do the pooch kick after the first mm -hmm. touchdown, is that something you guys like talk about during the course of the week? Is that something like, if we score first, then we're gonna go ahead and do that right away? So that was just part of our game plan to keep it away from their returners, really. Yeah. It was, you know, it's something we practiced all year. We practice it every week. And really the goal with that is number one, just don't let their return men who are deep get the ball. And then number two, if it does land in space, yeah. let's jump on it. Um, so while I'd love to say, hey, we called pooch kick, you know, sky kick, let's land on it uh, and, and get another possession. The truth is, is we're just trying to keep it away from their returners. Uh, and, and one of the possible outcomes is what you saw. You know, if nobody gets over there to get on it, it can bounce and then one of our faster players is running down there who's on kickoff and, and he recovered. He saw Joe Sacco recover it. Um, so it was really kind of a two for one, I guess. Um, but that was our game plan all week, uh, honestly, and, and that's what we wanted to do all week. And you saw it all game was we were squibbing and pooching things. Right. Um, really until they started moving some of their guys around and then we had to make some adjustments and, and kick it a little bit deeper. Um, but again, it was just trying to keep it away from their dynamic returners. Now, I know we're talking, you know, maybe about an hour after your semifinal has ended. So, you know, looking at Mountain Union film, obviously not something that's been done. Um, but, you know, what's it, uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, playing these guys again, you know, basically now for the third season in a row. Right. And this time, it, always a little bit later in the playoffs, right? Second <laughs> yeah. round and semifinals and yeah, now staggering. Yeah, I guess staggering. so. I guess so. Um, Familiar opponent, uh, and, and we know that they'll be looking for revenge the same way we were this week. Um, super talented, their quarterback, their receiver, um, good defense, they're good up front. I, I mean, they're good every single year. It's, right. it's why that they're the, the pinnacle of D3 football and have been for, shoot, 20, 30 years. Um, like I said, familiar opponent. Obviously, we'll look back on the film that we have from the last couple of years, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we're a different team. They're a different team. They're doing new stuff, I'm sure. We're, we're doing new adjustments and things like that. So um, at the end of the day, we just got to wait and start looking at the film tonight and tomorrow and, and, and see exactly what they're doing. I know uh, it was a close game today with Wartburg. It ended up kind of coming down to the end with some missed kicks uh, from what I heard. Um, so, I mean, it's... It's the playoffs, it's the semifinals, it's the national championship. Anybody can win, anybody can go anywhere and win. I mean, we've, we've proven that the last couple of years. So, um, you know, we'll have to be on our A game. We'll have to be ready to go. Uh, we're gonna have to have a great week of prep and get as much prep in as we can before we leave uh, for Annapolis. Um, but I'm confident that our coaches will do that and, and our players will do that. The good thing is, is that we have a lot of older guys and. Our coaching staff, for the most part, has all been here and been around for the last two Stag Bowls, so they understand the week and they understand, you know, the the urgency to get get things going, so to speak, on Sunday and Monday. Um, but you know, Mount super talented. Um, you know, they have a Gallardi finalist just like us. I mean, it's uh, you're going to see some of the best football players in the country uh, battling it out Friday night. Uh, which I think is what everybody wants. Everybody wants that. They, they want right. to see the top two teams, uh, you know, battle it out and, and go at each other. So, um, you know, it's, we're excited to be there. We're, we're just excited, uh, you know, 
get this win here, be able to win our first home semifinal game. Uh, it means a lot to our program. It means a lot to our institution and our athletic director, Jim Miller, and uh, Vice President Jessica Brown, and, and everybody who's supporting us and allowing us as coaches um, to do our jobs and to work with these great young men that we have. Uh, so to be able to get that win and uh, you know do it at home is it's pretty cool. We talked for podcast 302. We like to name the number of the podcast on this show. Um, and I know that one of the questions I asked you was, what did you want to see out of Luke Lanin in terms of his development mm -hmm. and you know his kind of career trajectory here at, in his sophomore season? And while I don't have in front of me what you said, I have some general, <laughs> so can you remind me? <laughs> uh, great question. I I have some general thoughts of what yep. it probably was, but um, I'm wondering how you feel about this now, 15 weeks into the season with him. Yeah, wow, what a special player and special human. Um, the characteristic that he shares with, I think, any great quarterback that we've had, and certainly our last one in Brock Rudder, who won the Gillardy, is their competitors. And they want to compete at whatever they're doing, and, and Luke's no different. He wants to compete at everything he's doing. He wants to win at everything he's doing. He does not take losing well. Um, but what I've seen from him, and I saw it today, I've seen it in other games in the playoffs when maybe things weren't going perfect on offense, you know, he just stayed the course. He, he didn't, um, you know, have any outbursts. He didn't try and play outside himself. He didn't try and force anything. He just stayed the course. And he trusted the game plan. He trusted his reads. He trusted his, his eyes. I mean, you can see on the, the balls that he's pulling, he's very decisive and he goes. He, it's not, you know, pull and kind of dance around. It's go. Yeah. Um, and, and same with you know the throws that he hit today and some of the deep shots that he hit today. Like he threw them and he went. Um, he he was very disappointed in himself coming out of the national championship game last year. And um, I maybe even mentioned that you know we had to sit down and kind of talk about that game and go through it and both agree that we're going to move on. And we all lost that football game. Every staff member, every football player. Uh, it was not a single play, a single call, a single player. Um, we all sank together. We're all on the same ship. And I felt like at that point in January, he needed to let that go and he needed to learn from it. And he has. Uh, I mean, the kid watches more film every single week than anybody on the team. Um, he's a coach's son. He, he's, he loves to, well, he's a junkie. I mean, he, he's just, he's a gym rat. Yeah. You know, he's, I mean, he's a two-sport athlete. He's a right. gold glover yep. in baseball this year. Um, he was newcomer of the year in baseball his freshman year. I mean, he's just, he's a sports junkie. He's, he's just a gym rat that needs to be out there playing. And I think you see that in how he plays. You know, he, he can move. He can make plays on the run. Uh, he can sit in the pocket and make plays. Um, but I think just his personal development and maturity and, and, and that's normal. That's normal for a player or a quarterback, especially to over the years just mature and, and get a little bit more comfortable in their skin, a little bit more comfortable with the game plan. I mean, the kid knows our offense inside and out. He knew our offense last year extremely well in his first year starting for us. Um, he has a great memory, uh, and, and like I said, he puts the work in. I mean, it's, it's fun. This last week, um, so actually this week for Mary Harden Baylor, we had a play-in down at the at the goal line that we didn't end up running, but uh, it was similar to a, something we had done against Mount Union in 2019 and had scored on. 
And I just looked at him in the film room during meetings, and I said, hey, you know what I'm talking about, right, from the Mount Union 2019 game. He goes, yep, I know exactly what play you're talking about. <laughs> he wasn't even he on the was team. He was not here for right? He wasn't on the team. Yeah. You know, and that's the type of kid he is. You know, he's, he's seen every single game we have in our film library. <laughs> um, so I think just as he continues to get older and continues to mature and, and just kind of come into his own, he, you're seeing that on the football field. Not turning the football over is, is key. That's something we practice and harp every single day in practice. And uh, he did a great job of that tonight. Um, and he mentioned that in, you know, in the press conference that, you know, he turned the ball over last year. Um, you know, and, and the game was in a totally different situation. We got to where we had to start pressing a little bit. Right. We had to start taking some chances, and we got out of our game plan. Um, we were able to stay in it, you know, and stay patient with everything today. And guys did a great job executing that. I just have to state for the record, uh, D3Baseball.com Rookie of the Year back in 2021. So was he really? Got to get the yeah. brand in there. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I knew he was Newcomer of the Year in the CCIW. Um, maybe I forgot that one, but yeah, he's a pretty special kid. Uh, I want to ask about prep time because you've brought it up a couple of times. Mm -hmm. you brought it up, I think, in this conversation and definitely in the post-game news conference. Yeah, it's a compressed week, right? Yeah. Um, and you go into a brand new place, uh, you know, Stag Bowl in Annapolis, Maryland, and another amazing, you know, just fantastic stadium. But what what is it like when you then have to disrupt your regular rhythm of every seven days and have to do right, it on Friday instead? Right. Um, I think it's more stress on the the coaches than it is the players. We try and keep the things things pretty similar for the players. Minus you have to move everything up you know a day so yeah. you're, you're practicing one day earlier than you normally would but you have to adjust that practice because their bodies are still healing and especially with as many fifth year seniors as we have playing for us we need to give them time to heal um, but I mean because they're old is that what we're saying here <laughs> they are yeah they're old um, <laughs> they, they have a lot of miles and and now you look at that group they've been to three stag bowls yeah. that's a whole extra football and a half, and a half yep. season that they've played yeah plus the COVID year. Yeah. So you're really looking at two and a half extra football seasons they've already played, uh, which you just have to be conscious of that and manage their bodies. But it's also positive because they've played that much football. Right. Um, so for us, it's just getting going as a coaching staff a little bit quicker and you know, getting the game plan into guys' hands a little bit quicker. And then just knowing you're gonna make some adjustments as the week goes. Um, you know, the other positive is you know, we have two classes of guys that, well, three that have all, they've been there, they've done this, they, they know, yeah, they know how this works. Um, you know, they know the schedule, they know we're gonna be on a plane probably Tuesday night, um, you know, and, and practicing somewhere else on Wednesday. Um, so there's familiarity there, I think. Uh, and, and also, I mean, we're going to the stag bowl, so who cares, let's go. Like, <laughs> let's not make too big of a deal out of something that doesn't need to be a big deal. Um, you know, going back to probably what I said in the, the presser was, you know, control the controllables. You know, this is the schedule. All right, let's rock and roll. Let's get on a plane. Where do you want us? Let's go. We're, we're there. You know, and, you know, you heard Ethan say that a week ago. Like, we don't care where the game's played. Let's just play. Uh, and, and that's the mentality I think you have to carry and you have to have is, you know, a football program and an organization is we're grateful to be here. We're thankful to be here. Um, so let's just play. <laughs> That's a lot of good stuff from Brad Spencer there. But I want to highlight something that he said that comes up so often here over the years when we've talked about Mount Union and Whitewater. 
North Central is in their third straight Stag Bowl, which means that these seniors, fifth year notwithstanding, they've played 14 playoff games to this point. That's 14 more weeks of practice, 14 games against high-level competition. We're talking about a full season and a half of football experience that the rest of the division is not getting. This is the kind of success that fuels itself in a lot of ways with all of these extra opportunities to play and practice. And now the Cardinals are that team. It's hard to crash into this tier of the division, but North Central, they've done it now. Indeed, they have, right? It was so interesting, really, to hear that come out of his mouth. And it's like, oh, yeah, of course, do the math, right? It's the same sort of thing we heard from, as you said, Mountain Union and then later Whitewater people all over the place, right? These guys, Lanin is mathematically a sophomore, but he's a guy who was on campus in 2020. He played the entire 2021 season. He played baseball in the spring of 2020. This is a guy who has junior football experience already and, you know, still has two full seasons of football left for him. Yeah. I think we wouldn't be, wouldn't be right to get out of this podcast to talk about Luke Lanning's game a little bit. He led North central in rushing that his ability to rush has always been there, but he's really unleashed it in the last two weeks. He's led the team in rushing each of the last two weeks. Stopping Greenfield is hard enough, but now you overplay Greenfield and give Luke Lane a seam on the sorts of optiony things that they can do with him. Luke Lane gets a corner and he's 50 yards upfield before anybody can can get to him. Um, he also threw four touchdowns in this game to four different receivers, and I think that's a big deal. We've talked about maybe North Central's passing game being a little too hardy centric. Certainly was not that way here. And if Luke Lane is finding comfort with receivers other than D'Angelo Hardy just more options in that offense that is so difficult to defend already yeah let's talk about Matt Quinn for example Matt is the guy who caught one of the touchdowns in the second quarter he is a tight end who wears number 98 yeah Matt Quinn's first catch on the season and it happens to be a touchdown in the national semifinals Yeah, I don't think number 98 was on the scouting report for UMHB this week. Yeah, he's not on the two deep in terms of tight ends for North Central. You go your Matt Robinson, you go your Alec Wolf, and then you got Matt Quinn. And everybody in the postgame, after the game, before like the cameras started rolling, all the players were just having a great time about remembering way back to the second quarter when Matt Quinn caught a touchdown pass. The other thing about Lanin is... You, you, you mentioned the corner. Shoot, I mean, th- there were a couple of times where the middle of the field was just wide open for him, and it was clearly a called pass play, but he just turns it into a draw, and there's 20 yards of complete wide open daylight. Uh, Larry Harmon, after the game, was asked about this, and it's like, hey, listen, we could try to cover everything, but we can't possibly cover everything when you got a quarterback that can do something like that. That is heavily paraphrased but I think I got the gist of it for you. Your categories have become tiresome. You've got mail. Tiresome. Now is the time of the podcast where we go out to social media, see what we've got in terms of questions for us. There's a lot of very specific X's and O's questions about the stag ball, which we'll talk more about these things coming up in podcast 325 when we are in Annapolis, I still almost said in Salem when we are in Annapolis and get a better, you know, set of eyes on team practices and that sort of thing. But I want to pick out one of the other questions. that's not quite about this. And it's like, 
This is from Blake Hobson at B Hobson, who says all seven writers underestimated North Central and overestimated Mary Harden Baylor. Statistically, that seems unlikely. Why do you think this? And this is his words, of course, not mine. Why do you think this unintentional bias occurred? I think it occurred, Blake, because Kyle King played about a quarter and three quarters of 100% football. And at that point, what was the score of the game? We talked about it just a few minutes ago, right? This is a completely different... I think it is. I think it's a completely different game. I caught myself thinking about that, Greg, but I think it's a completely different game if Kyle King is healthy all the way through. North Central wins this game, I think, even if Kyle King is 100%, and that's why I predicted it that way, and I'm sure that's why five out of seven writers surveyed picked it that way, but... You know, that's a that's a game-changing thing. And frankly, that's exactly why predictions last year for the Stag Bowl went the other direction because we had no real idea what Luke Lanon was going to be capable of after he got his shoulder banged up in the semifinals at Mountain Union. We remember these things. Five out of seven quick hits. Pickers picked North Central, but not by a wide enough margin. And so shade we get, I guess. It's a semifinal game against two teams ranked in the top three of our poll and so you don't expect that game to get to be 49 to 14 I don't think you get a shutout in the second half if Kyle King has a has a working throwing shoulder right um so yeah I mean did we did we underestimate that I think everything being equal until the game changed in the right before halftime there with Kyle King getting uh crunched on his shoulder a little bit it was a pretty close game, and I think it could have stayed that way uh, for most of the most of the sixty minutes. But yeah, man, that's tough crowd, tough crowd out there, Blake. Seriously, one more question. This is from Mike McCauley at Mike McCauley M C C A L L E Y. Which teams have matched up best against North Central and Mountain Union respectively so far this season, and does that give any insight in, into how the Stag Bowl will be played? I mean, I think we saw one of those games just this past Saturday, right, Greg? I think Warburg matched up pretty well against Mountain Union. I have never really any idea what to take away from any Baldwin-Wallace-Mountain Union game any single year. It seems like Baldwin-Wallace plays Mountain Union close in years in which, you know, frankly, Baldwin-Wallace is not world-beating quality. I don't know if we take anything away from that one. Uh, John Carroll came back to make it close at the end. And yeah, they were at an onside kick recovery and a score away from maybe sending that one into overtime. But I really think the Wartburg game is the one you have to look at. Yeah, I think the Wartburg game, I think, you know, I think Delaware Valley did a lot of good things against Mount Union also. Um, one thing that Chris Winter mentioned before in advance of, of their semifinal game about Delaware Valley is that Delaware Valley did a good job of limiting Mount Union's explosive uh, offensive plays, not a lot of 50, 60, 70 yard plays from them against Delaware Valley, kept the score down. Um, Wartburg did a lot of the same things. The longest play for Mount Union was 36 yards. So I think you can look at those two games defensively. That's about as, I mean, that's really about as good as you can do against that Mount Union offense and keep them to around 28 to 30. And then on the other side, then it's a matter of of scoring. And Wartburg, I certainly did not see Wartburg in the 30s in the game on Saturday. And the game got into the 30s and Wartburg absolutely had a chance to win. So I think Wartburg matched up well with them 
on both sides, really, even though Mount Union did a good job of taking away what Wartburg does best. Uh, Wartburg adjusted, showed really the depth and balance that they have, able to not lean on on Hunter Clausen and throw the ball around and get, get points that way. I think if you're looking at that game specifically too, you know, in terms of breaking down film, again, not an X's and O's guy, but I can recognize when things change, right? Greg talked about the amazing first half that Braxton Plunk had, and then, you know, Warburg makes some adjustments and those easy passes, you know, the underneath stuff, I guess, maybe uh, the stuff in the middle of the field, were not always there so much and Mountain Union had to go do something different. So if you're, you know, North Central and going and breaking down this video, you get kind of two different looks of what a quality defense could throw at Mountain Union and how successful it may or may not be. So I think that's something else that uh, is a good takeaway from that game as well. Yeah, really looking forward to our midweek pod where we sort of preview these teams and how the matchups are. I think there's a lot of really intriguing uh, matchups on both sides in this game. On the North Central side, I mean, you can look at the first half of that game against Mary Harden Baylor. I think that's pretty instructive. I think that would be helpful. But I go back, you know, straight down the list here. There's only one game before Saturday where anybody scored even in double figures against North Central. And that was that game for the Little Brass Bell against Wheaton back on October 1st. Now, that's a long time ago. North Central has been through quite a bit since then. They've had receivers banged up. They brought a cornerback over to play receiver. Nick Rummel got a touchdown catch on Saturday out of that kind of transaction. I think Greenfield has only gotten better as time has gone on. I think that defense has gotten better as time has gone on. But you can at least, I think, look back at that maybe with some hopes of picking things out. You got your Bowers. You got your Weeks. So you got your your strong quarterback. You got your quality running back that team is still good defensively I have not watched that game recently to tell X's and O's about anything out of that but I think I don't know specifically what to learn from that game that happened what 12 weeks ago I guess was a while ago and you know that that was a game that North Central jumped out to a really big lead early Wheaton had a really nice uh end of they really closed the first half of that game well opened the second half well made it interesting for a second but Wheaton never had the ball there in the second half within one score and possession like they never had a chance there to tie or take the lead in that game uh after the first quarter so you know yeah Wheaton had some success for you know about a quarter and a half against North Central and that was that Carnegie Mellon, I think did a really good job against North central defensively for a good chunk of that game, but could not score on them. Carnegie Mellon, a uh, one long touchdown play in that game. Uh, and that was it for them. So I, yeah, you can find bits and pieces of games where people have matched up with North central for a little bit, but for 60 minutes, it hasn't happened this year. Thanks for the questions. You know, we will Put the bat signal out again as we continue to podcast, including for 325. Look for that bat signal on Thursday. I'll spend all Thursday night editing that thing, I assume. And then Friday night after the game, we'll do another podcast. And then I traditionally edit that podcast in the airport and on the airplane back home on Saturday. So keep an eye out for all of that. Greg, how did we do in quick hits? 
This week in Quick Hits, Pat, our panel picks were split five to two in both of the games. In the first game, Logan Hansen and myself incorrectly picked Wartburg to beat Mountain Union. Everybody else picked Mountain Union to advance. And in the second game, Keith McMillan and Riley Zayas picked Mary Harden Baylor to win and missed. As we know, North Central advanced through that game. Pat Ryan and Frank Rossi all correctly picked winners in both games. And now, with just the Stag Bowl remaining, our leaderboard is... Pat and Ryan Tips at the top with 22 correct picks through this tournament. Frank, Logan, and Riley mathematically still alive with 21 correct picks. Keith and I have 20 correct picks. We're going to go ahead and make picks this week as well, but we cannot catch the leaders. And that is where we're at with playoff quick hits. Uh, Tiebreak scenarios, I think we go with total points scored. We'll get those uh, score predictions and break any possible ties that way. Tune in Friday. I think, too, the pattern that I'm picking up from this is that if you want your team to get to the national semifinals, you need to build a platform and a journalistic or, you know, data-based empire that allows you to be brought into quick hits for the entire season because people like that just got to pick their teams to win in the national semifinals. Even though neither of them were correct, I'm sure that's quite a thrill. Even if there was a one-word tweet from Logan Hansen on Saturday afternoon that I cannot repeat on this podcast. If someone was going to call me out for using GD and telling me that that was still considered a swear word, then this other word is not something that, uh, that we can say. And this was Around the Nation podcast number 324, released on December 12th of 2022. Thanks for listening and keep an eye out for the rest of the week. My God, so much going on including the release of our All-America team on Friday night in the Stag Bowl 49 pregame show. Greg Thomas, Gordon Mann, Frank Rossi live in Annapolis, Maryland with the Stag Bowl 49 pregame show. Yeah, Gordon Mann is joining us. I see that look on your face. I had no idea. This is very exciting. It is exciting. One more voice on the uh, pregame show. Also, Gordon will host the halftime show on our audio stream, so you're off the hook on that one. That's one of the things that's happening this week. We'll tell you who wins the Gilardi Trophy. As soon as we know who wins the Gilardi Trophy, we will let you know who wins the Gilardi Trophy. We'll tell you sometime in our pregame show on Friday night. You can support production of this podcast and the D3Sports.com family of websites in general by visiting patreon.com D3Sports. But even if you can't afford to support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, tell a classmate, tell a fellow alum about the show, and you can rate and review us in the various places where people rate and review podcasts. You can reach us to talk more about Division Three football on Twitter using the D3FB hashtag. I'm at D3Football. Greg is at Wally Wabash. Keith will be here for Stag Bowl 49. He'll be my color analyst on our audio broadcast of the game. We'll be doing that for the 23rd season in a row. Looking forward to that. You can tweet him at at D3Keith. We have a message board devoted to Division 3 sports. Did you know you can join the conversation by registering to post at D3Boards.com? Then you can follow D3Football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh and Damaro O'Malley. Dave is taking a short sabbatical from Hoosville because of some developing situations, shall we say, in his family. Dave, we wish you well. I don't expect that you're listening to this podcast. you got other stuff going on, but we're thinking about you, buddy. 
Our theme music on this podcast is Power 2 by DJ Mentos. We use other DJ Mentos tracks as well, and you can find those at DJMentos.com as well as on Spotify. Thanks to Brad Spencer. Thanks to Mike Popovich. Thanks to Greg Thomas, my co-host. And thanks to Keith McMillan, you know, the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com for deigning to come back this week and broadcast a game with me. I appreciate that. And Pat, don't edit out a whole bunch so that you can be right. I mean, if we lose Keith... Who else is going to keep me in check when somebody returns the opening kickoff of the Stag Bowl for a touchdown and I about flip my lid? Sort of a similar special teams opener for North Central this year. They had a big, a long kickoff return, not touchdown, but long kickoff return, touchdown, and then they recovered the onside kick, touchdown. North Central special teams against UMHB early in games, very, very good. <laughs> that was about the only thing that this year's semifinal and last year's Stag Bowl had in common. Oh my. Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, Gordon Mann. I mean, the the game is like two hours from his house. We gotta we gotta have Gordon Mann back. I don't think Gordon Mann has been to a Stag Bowl since like 2009. Whatever year the big snow happened, and he actually never got there, Gordon Mann has kind of sworn off stag bowls ever since, and he's done a great job shepherding D3Hoops.com in November and December, so I'm not too upset about him not being at a stag bowl. But, you know, this is the Super Bowl, basically. We bring out, we pull out all the stops, we bring out all the fan favorites. Absolutely. That kid did a really good job calling that quarterfinal game against Mount Union. Got to give him a shot here, right? Definitely give him a shot. You're getting promoted. That's probably who would do color if Keith didn't uh, make it to the stag bowl. Last thing we want is me talking for three and a half hours by myself. Break it down is the guy that took on their top receiver 21 all day.